from a growth perspective, it's my burden, right, that you helped me develop, and it's, you know, for the world to hear, I have nothing to hide. I want to retire in the Spouse Hall of Fame, the Parent Hall of Fame, and the Work Hall of Fame, right, when I, when I die. Again, we're all going to die, right? episode of The Burn. I am Ben Newman, and you know exactly how we do this every single week. We're going to bring you a story of an athlete, an entertainer, a celebrity, somebody from the business world who has recognized that why and purpose is not enough. There's an underlying burn that ignites your why and purpose that causes you to show up when you don't want to, and especially after you win. I have told you countless times that I'm excited for the guests that we're about to spend time with. And this is a special one. Well, I'm telling you, this is like double, triple special for me because we have the opportunity to spend time with Chris Kokoris today. Not only is he somebody who has welcomed me into his life and the business world of you Financial, a powerhouse, not only on the East Coast, but across the country in the financial services world, but he's welcomed me into his life. And we've had the opportunity to become great friends. And it's an iron sharpens iron relationship. As much as this guy knows about leadership and people, there have been things that I've shared where I needed his help. And it's an amazing relationship. He has a unique and authentic energy about himself. And his resume speaks for itself. We will share that in the details and the notes. But I think what you're going to learn is that when you show up and you're yourself, and you care about people, you can make a difference and accomplish a lot in life. Chris Kokoris, welcome to The Burn. Ben Newman, uh, wildly happy to be here. Thank you so much for the super kind introduction. Definitely more the than only, I just, I'm grateful for it. The, only, you know, the, the one thing I do have to say before we get rolling, when we met, I somewhat had hair. Now I have no hair. You still have oh. these amazing locks. Your hair has like gone nowhere. You're supposed to be managing all this stress of the industry, and you're always smiling. You still have this great head of hair. What Thanks. keeps you in such a good mood? And I'm not trying to say that it's all Pollyanna and you don't have challenge yeah. and adversity, but you always seem to smile and be in a good mood through the ups and downs. Why is that? It's a great question. Uh, I think I would point to a handful of things in my life that have happened that I think are, are tremendous blessings that kind of keep my attitude on the up and up. Uh, number one, uh, I would say I won the parent lottery. I think my, my parents were were wonderful guides in life. They um, they both had you know unique upbringings in a hard scrap you know industrial town in Connecticut. Believe it or not, that does exist. A uh, town that's definitely seen better days. And uh, you know both of them went through a lot to um, have the family and the education that they received and to provide for my sister and I, which they did an awesome job of always supportive, kind of let me be me, let me be a bonehead, let me make mistakes and learn as an adult. And, um, you know, I, I credit them with a lot of the foundational kind of mindset that I show up with every day. Uh, I think they got me kind of through college and into working years. And then, you know, since then, it's been my unbelievable bride. And, uh, you know, Emily has been such a tremendous supporter and gave us these beautiful, healthy kids that, you know, are, are a blessing. And, uh, I, I also think that, you know, on top of those two things, we get the choice every day to interpret how things that take, uh, things that happen in our worlds 
influence the way we see it. And I think it's a choice to see things in a positive light. The world has got to happen to you. How you respond is your choice. And I think if you have the humility and uh, the internal peace to respond to those things in a positive way, uh, it makes a world of difference. You know, I, one of the things that I admire about you, and we've had the opportunity to have so many conversations, have some really fun times together, and I always love your attention to detail in everything that you do. And I've been with leaders from so many different companies, from CEOs of the, like the full CEOs of Fortune 100 financial firms to the CEOs of individual organizations. And I just love and admire how you lead, the manner in which you lead. But you just mentioned Emily and the kids. And I have this memory that just popped into my head when I was there in a visit in Mechanicsburg, PA, which we are going to talk about what you've done out of Mechanicsburg's PA when you've got people making excuses who are in New York City and Chicago and L.A. It's really mind-blowing. But I remember I was there for a visit to work with many of the individuals in the organization. We were going out to lunch, and you're like, we're going to hit this great Greek spot. And you were talking about how you always want to have time for – Emily and the kids and to grab lunch. We go to this Greek spot. Teddy is like dominating. Your youngest is dominating this Greek salad. It's all over his face. I remember walking away going, I've been with a lot of leaders in this industry who would just claim I'm too busy to go grab lunch with my family. Why has that been so important to you to maintain and, and to do those things? And how do you think that actually makes you better and focused when you are under the gun and challenged and going through adversity in the office? That's a great question. I think that the most effective way to respond to that, Ben, is I try to remind myself as often as I can, and one of my peers who does a great job of this, who has my my position in uh, Tennessee, uh, Western Tennessee, Jerry Corliss, uh, is so wonderfully great to remind me. It's like, we're all going to die one day. Like, we're going to die. I mean, it's it is uh, myopic to kind of think that way. And I think it's important because it brings clarity into focus immediately. So uh, I, I say that under the guise that I feel that we have the option to um, squeeze every last drop out of the toothpaste you know, container every day that we wake up. And we either make that choice or we don't make that choice, you know? and. Uh, I think that that's such a helpful guide in how we attack and approach every day, uh, attack and approach every interaction with a stranger, with our spouse, with the people that we work for, uh, our children. You know, the choice when you're really tired and you don't want to put your kid to bed, but you know that extra 10 minutes of snuggling would make a world of difference in their day. Like, dig in and do it. You know, I think that those little things, those little touches, um, when we when we invest in others, they invest back in us. And I think that that's such an easy paradigm when you're busy to forget um, that it's made a huge difference in my life. Mm. Living living one day at a time and focusing on the things that are important. I know for you to, to do what you've done and before we talk about being young, keeping priorities straight, really having this meteoric rise at a very young age to sit in the seat that you do sit in. Uh, which is such an amazing story in and of itself. I do want to go back to the influence of your parents. Um, You've always talked about the blessing of having parents, but you also pushed yourself. And what I'd love to know, did it come from your parents? You know, where did that burn and fire to work hard? You know, let's not overlook the fact that you did play college football. 
you know, you accepted the challenge early on in our coaching to do 75 hard, which I know you wanted to wanted to kill me when uh, when I first said it, but you took it on. You and I have done boxing classes together. And so how important has discipline been for you uh, to understand what you had in you? And then how has that translated into the business for you? Uh, great, great question. I would say foundationally, again, discipline was something that I always struggled with, you know, as a, as a, as a kid and as a young adult. I think I learned it. I think I'll put it this way. I think it's cemented in me after college, right? I think uh, the force, God, whoever you believe in, gives you gifts that um, take you so far and then discipline with the rest, right? Um, you see that with pro athletes. You see that with pro athletes that go the wrong direction. You see that with mediocre pro athletes that turn out to be, you know, goats, right? And I love that picture of Brady in the draft. I think it's just so emblematic of uh, somebody that was just so damn stubborn and focused that he willed his way to, to a magical career, a, a, you know, arguably the best person to ever touch a football walk the earth. So uh, I think that I think that discipline really does propel us. Right. I think, again, God-given talents get us as far as they'll get us. And then discipline really gets us to the next level. I would say maybe my second or third year in this business, I noticed that discipline had an outsized effect on impact, an outsized, outside effect on, on um, results that were driven uh, through that discipline. And I think that that's continued on in, in my life today. I, I have one metric I still track professionally on, on a pretty consistent basis that I think has yielded a lot of growth for our organization, um, you know, internally and externally over the last handful of years that we've been really lucky to achieve. So discipline is the key, man. It's, it's it. <laughs> Without it, uh, a lot of magic has to happen for continued success to take place. And so what I find unique about your leadership style is I, I understand your discipline. I know your belief in discipline. I know your belief that you have to get in and you have to do it. But the industry as a whole oftentimes is led by individuals. You almost would call it like an iron fist, right? They're going to tell you like, this is what you need to do and you better do it this way or it's just not going to work out. And one of the things that I've admired about you is this amazing knack for recruiting from a place of empathy, understanding, wanting to know people's families, wanting to know how they're wired, wanting to know the big picture, wanting to know why they're in the business, and wanting to recruit the right people, and then creating an environment where you're not saying, just come and do what you want, but you're actually inviting them to have a platform that supports them saying, why wouldn't I be disciplined in this environment? And I think it's very unique. I think it comes naturally for you. I think you have this humble nature to say, well, it's just the way we do it. But I think there's some intentionality there. How important is it to lead to the heart and to recruit the right people, but then to build this environment where you don't have to rule with an iron fist? You just yeah. support them and love on them, give them what they need, and they want to be disciplined in that environment. It's a, it's a really interesting dynamic. I'm glad you pick up on it. I, I think it's it really speaks to the quality of the culture that's been in this organization for a long, long time. And I think I have the unique uh, advantage of saying that I was able to start here. So the people that I work for today are advisors. You know, I I grew up idolizing professionally, and so <laughs> I I get goosebumps I'm getting goosebumps talking about. It. I still pinch myself when I get to you know uh, 
spend time with these folks or offer them advice in their business. And I, I, I think that that shines through, Ben, uh, in, in a handful of ways. Most importantly, recently we took a little you know, group outing away uh, and we had five advisors that had been here their whole career and two that hadn't and one uh, additional kind of outside guest at this um, at this outing and what struck me and the, the new the two new advisors that just started with us um, great people but from out of the area and what struck me the most was that the first night we all gathered for dinner we got there about noon you know and then we had dinner later that day was how welcoming the five advisors that I kind of grown up with were to these other two new people I mean, I can't, I can't do that, Ben. You know, I, I can't fake that. I can't, I can't um, recreate that. I, you know, those advisors can't fake authentic, organic connection with those other people. They can't fake welcoming somebody into the world. So um, I feel tremendously blessed that our folks do go out of their way to welcome the new people that, you know, want to call our place home and allow me to work for them. Um, you know, th that welcoming sense is, is, is almost, unrecreatable unless it's real and organic and authentic. So that's a huge part of our success is the, is the culture and the people that create the culture that have been here for a long time and how they go out of their way to welcome, you know, new folks in the organization. And that helps it explode. I think that's been, that's been a huge key for us. That's been a huge key for us. So now let, let's talk about, cause I, I think it's interesting. It's that I would almost like what you just described, that that family nature, it's welcoming, it's a attention to detail on culture. It's like a small town feel. And I think a lot of people must see and go, how in the hell have you done what you've done in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania? Yet, what you've done, which is really remarkable, has created such a strong enterprise in you financial that it's really become a national brand where you've been able to attract powerhouse advisors. I mean, some of the top advisors in the world who are in some of those major cities. How does a guy in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, <laughs> pull that off? Because yeah. number, number one, you know, there's a lot of people, there's all the excuses in the world being in small town PA to not grow the way that you have, to not think big enough to attract these people from around the country. So I would love for you to maybe speak to not just financial advisors where the manner in which you recruit and how you do is like nothing I've ever seen in the industry. But I want you to speak to those people who make excuses because of maybe where they came from or my town's not big enough to not just be in that small pond, but to say you can go live as big as you want to. I'd love to hear what what you could say to all of our listeners who may struggle with that. Yeah. So I'll, I'll say two things. I'm going to write these down so I don't forget them. Uh, uh, the first thing is one of the, one of the elemental parts of, I think where we've gotten from a growth perspective is my burn, right? That you helped me develop. And it's, you know, for the world to hear, I have nothing to hide. I want to retire in the spouse hall of fame, the parent hall of fame, and the work hall of fame, right? When I when I die. Again, we're all gonna die, right? Your life will be measured at some point. I'd love to be somebody that, you know, at the eulogy, um, you know, somebody offers a, a kindness, maybe that Emily Iyer offered uh, that person that we've forgotten about, right? Because we, you know, we were fortunate enough to give so many kindnesses away throughout our lives. So hopefully that takes place, right? I think secondarily, um, when I was a younger rep, a newer rep, uh, 
you know, you drive everywhere, right, for everything. You know, I drive four hours to open a Roth IRA for somebody for 50 bucks a month with American funds. Um, uh, I would I would devour books on CD. That was when we still had the CDs. You get them from the library, you know, throw them in the CD while you're driving 85. I'm sure it was really safe. But in one of the Malcolm Gladwell books, I forget which one it is off the top of my head, um, he talks about this opportunity, it might have been Blink, where there is a, a general, a military general that's hired to do this war simulation. You know what I'm talking about, this book? Mm -hmm. And you know, they have no advantages. No, this general has no advantages. He's got, you know, he's got this ragtag group of people um, and he's operating some, you know, rogue state, rogue cell, trying to fight a, a Goliath army somewhere in the world, right? And the Goliath army has all the tech advantages, all the systematic advantages, all the financial advantages, you name it, right? And what struck me about this comparison, one of the levels points that he goes on to make is that this person didn't have, you know, th this rogue cell operator didn't have any of the burdens of mega bureaucracy that this, you know, that the big, the big mm. army has. So if you need to send a message, you could put a message, you know, a handwritten message on a dude's, you know, in a dude's shoe and send him on a motor scooter a hundred miles. So he didn't have to worry about the message getting intercepted, you know, over from big tech. Right. And he could do it and he could act responsibly and nimbly and kind of figure it out. Right. I think what's interesting about, you know, kind of our market to speak the Mechanicsburg thing is that book always kind of rang in my head afterwards. It's like, okay, well, what can we do to deliver value to our business partners and grow our distribution um, in ways that might be seen as creative or, or you know, thoughtful? Uh, because there's only so many folks in our marketplace, right? Well, that's fine. You know, those people probably have relationships somewhere else in the industry that they're willing to, you know, open us up to if we treat them well, we support them, we show that we care, we show that we love them. So luckily that happened, you know, a bunch of times in my first years and was very, very lucky in a lot of ways in, in that growth. And, um, you know, I think a lot of that, you know, fruit um, of those trees that we planted a long time ago is, is starting to, to really, you know, get ready to be picked. So, yeah, we've been really lucky in that space, Ben. So one of the one of the things I, I want to highlight, and I appreciate you sharing it, is this concept of living to show up in three Hall of Fames. And I hope everybody heard what Chris shared. Three Hall of Fames. That's beyond I'm going to show up and give my best. You know, when, when you think of the Hall of Fame, I want everybody, whatever sport you love, think of the Hall of Fame. Like that is the best of the best of the best. And here Chris is stretching himself to say, I want to show up in three different Hall of Fames. And so I just think for all of you listening, regardless of where you are, regardless of your environment, regardless of your pain, regardless of your adversity, regardless of your challenge, regardless of your self-talk, you can pick all the Hall of Fames that you want to show up in, show up in as well. And I think there's a, a power of attraction because of how you show up and the conversations you're willing to have and how you treat people because those things are so important to you. Most people don't go into the Hall of Fame for having poor character. You know, we can go over you you and I are huge both huge sports fans. We could give yeah. plenty of stories of the people who have not gotten into the Hall of Fame because Very of poor true. character. So Very as true. much as people say, "Oh, well, they were a great athlete, but" usually if there's a but, they're not getting into the Hall of Fame. And so I think there's this attraction power that you bring because of just this burning desire to want to just do things the right way 
And I think it's I think it's special. And it's it's one of the things where, yes, you and I have been able to do a lot of fun things and it's been blessings for our our family to partner with some amazing individuals. But until you tell me I don't have a place for you in the organization, like I don't even care about the money that comes from our relationship. I mean, it's really one of those things. It's like it's special. And, you know, I think and I joke, you know, you and I both get busy sometimes. We might miss a call or two and it's like, okay, well, now the contract is extended another month. And it's like I just want to get back on the phone with you because we always pick it right back up. And I just I I want to say I appreciate knowing the industry the way that I do, that you're willing to think that big and you're willing to do things the right way. I just I, I, I really think it's a very special thing that's more needed. And I hope other leaders realize, in my opinion, that's that's the right way to lead. And you've shown me a lot about the industry and doing things the right way. And I think it's why there's this attraction to where recruiting somewhat takes care of itself. Um, do you find that to be the case that when you take care of people, it's, you get introductions to other people and, you know, I know that's the way it was as an advisor, take care of somebody, they take care of it. But it seems like that's also happening for you from a recruiting and culture and growth standpoint of the organization. Also, I'd say, you know, that's so such kind words. Thank you. You know, I still have so much room to go and grow personally and interpersonally and, um, you know, I think coaching is a huge part of that, whether it's you or somebody else or, you know, wh- whatever, you know, whatever somebody can, can fill their bucket professionally, emotionally to continue to develop. Um, you know, that's, that's a huge deal. Um, but yeah, I do, I do think that if you get the ball rolling in the right direction and you, you genuinely show up and support people, uh, I think that they tend to return that kindness. And, um, you know, my parents, you know, big, big believers in, in, you know, kind of the golden rule that was instilled early. And I think that that's um, shown to be very true in my professional life, for sure. Last, last question for you, Chris. So I, I know you said that the three Hall of Fame, so you kind of alluded to it. But knowing that you've done things differently in the industry as a leader, knowing that you've done things really, I would say, from a, the age in which you've done them, very, very rare. What do you really want your legacy to be in this industry? It's a great question. Um, you know, I, I hope I'll give you this, this perspective. Uh, recently, the gentleman that uh, recruited me into the business passed away. Um, so I may hope that he rests in peace and I hope his family's doing great, you know, in this time of, of turbulence. We just went to this, uh, the celebration of his life. I think it was in August. And he died in his, in his young 80s. And, you know, I think as a whole, one of the folks that I work for here said this. And uh, he said, when Gary, his name is Gary Winkin, legend, industry legend, OG, I mean, like, just an unbelievable human being and a presence, almost like a George Washington-esque presence. You know, um, I revered the dude when we started, right? It's crazy. Anyway, I think um, uh, I, somebody I work for here said this. They said, you know, you go to you go to a service for, to celebrate somebody's life, and, you know, a lot of times you sit in the audience, you think, boy, I don't know that person they were talking about, right? The person leading the service. Mm. I observed their character doing X, Y, and Z, and then they talked about them doing A, B, and C, and yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't know that person, right? Um, what's interesting about what this advisor said is he's like, 
every story that they told about him was true and accurate and real. And that was him, you know, uh, we had choked up talking about him. I mean, just an overwhelmingly generous, special soul, uh, just a wonderful, a wonderful example to follow. Um, you know, he had, I think it's 13 grandkids. They were all there. They all, you know, offered special words and thoughts. And it was cool to kind of hear what they said about him after he retired. He retired at 67, 65 or 67. But, you know, he basically, you know, he would wear this like little limo driver hat around and pick up his grandkids wherever they want to go at any time, right? And, uh, you know, talk about a dude that went from being the pinnacle of professional success to saying like, hey, I'll pick you up at soccer. What time? You know, any, any, any place, any time. I think it's a special way to, you know, kind of see the world through uh, an experience like that. So anyway, to answer your question, it would be to to have a lot of people feel like I, Emily and I had made a positive impact uh, on their lives in some way, shape or form, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, socially, professionally, whatever, um, when we're dead, <laughs> you know, for lack of a better way to say that, you know, yeah, we, we, we are put on this earth. I feel like we're put on this earth to make other people's lives more uh, fulfilling, enriching, you know, special. And, um, and I'd love to be remembered that way. That's, that is a powerful perspective. You know, I've, I've heard people say, you know, my dear friend Ed Milet always says you're going to show up to those pearly white gates and, you know, your twin is going to be right there and you're either going to recognize them or you're not. That's a totally different perspective that I've never thought of is, you know, sitting there, are people at your funeral going to say, who the hell are they talking yeah. about? Yeah, the person, that person they're talking about, you know? Right, like, Three yeah. Hall of Fames. What are they talking about? Like, I yeah. knew this guy. And I just, I think that goes to Chris. There's no doubt that that is going to happen. Uh, let's hope that it is uh, decades upon decades upon yeah. decades from now. Yeah. Um, but I think that will happen because it, it, it speaks to what I said when we really started today, just the authenticity and the manner in which you show up and I, just, I appreciate what you do for the industry. I appreciate how you lead. I appreciate the example that you set, and I appreciate uh, you giving me the opportunity to to play a small hand in helping you fight for those Hall of Fames. It's a it's a deeply meaningful relationship for me, and I'm so glad because we've been talking about this for a long time yeah. that we're finally able to to share some of this behind the scenes uh, in front of the cameras here on the burn. So thank you for coming on. Totally, man. Very grateful for the partnership, Two Way Street, all the way, Ben. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Well, I love you, brother. I look forward to continuing to uh, to fight with you. Love you too, bro. Can't wait for it. And to each and every single one of you uh, listening, I, I, I want to share something I, I didn't intend on when I prepared for today's interview to share it this way, but with that story Chris just shared, I want you to think about your life and I want you to think about the word perspective. And are you living in a way that's going to provide the right perspective for other people to choose to live their lives the right way? And I think if you think about somebody sharing what they're going to share about you at your funeral, did, did you live the right way? And I know we challenge you on a lot of things with the burn, but that's what I want to leave you with is that challenge of evaluating where are you, how are you showing up, whether it's the small town that you're in or the self-talk that you're listening to. Are you showing up with great perspective to fight the way you were destined to fight and to fight to go get in the Hall of Fames that are most important to you? I appreciate every single one of you choosing to be with us on The Burn every single week. Make sure to subscribe and to share and make sure to lean in in your life 
and to know that we're in this fight together, to connect to that burn because we know the burn is what ignites why and purpose and causes you to fight when you don't feel like it, and especially after you win. Until next week, this has been The Burn. This episode of The Burn Podcast is powered by BenNewmanCoaching.com, your number one source for increasing consistency in your life and building the mental toughness habits required to live the life of your dreams. From self-paced courses to live coaching with Ben and everything in between, head over to BenNewmanCoaching.com and join the thousands of members working to unlock their peak performance every day.